0: Hello and welcome to the Heads and Volleys podcast with me, Lee Dunn. Wow, it's Friday. Friday before the World Cup starts. Friday of the beginning of a holiday week here in the US. Like, How can you not be excited? Of course, you peel back some of the layers, you see the controversy around this World Cup and I have a hard time personally also with what this World Cup is representing and the way it's been set, and all of the news around it and the things that we consistently see on Twitter, which may or may not be here by the time this is released. But that's by and part because I want to talk about the World Cup and I want to talk about the World Cup in a way that is going to be enhancing the game. Typically, registration increases in youth soccer programs. Interest in the game increases. Kids are out on the field playing soccer or they're playing on the street and playing soccer or they're playing the FIFA video game. But they are now aware of the game of soccer in a much more kind of familiar way than what they are when we're asking them as coaches to watch Chelsea play at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning in the middle of the regular year. So... We have this huge stage. We have this huge opportunity. And importantly, we have the US in the World Cup. Now, of course, I'm English. They're in the same group as England. It was meant to be. I have friends who are Welsh. It was even more meant to be, I guess, that between the three of us, there would be this competition. But secretly, of course, I want England to win the whole thing. And I'm okay if the US also progress as far as they can until they can't get any further because England go any further than that. But... From a business perspective, from a cultural perspective, we need the U.S. to be in this World Cup. And this is where they are. So now they qualified on merit. How are you using the World Cup to bolster your players' culture and their involvement and their excitement around the game? So let's look at the schedule to begin with. The U.S. play at 11 a.m. Pacific or 2 p.m. Eastern for every single game. You could be unfortunate like some of the other countries that have 2 a.m. games Pacific or 5 a.m. Eastern. It's impossible to get people interested in that. But 11 a.m. is a pretty good time. If you're coaching young kids, you're coaching older kids who are sleeping in because it's Thanksgiving week. The game on Black Friday is a huge opportunity with so many people being available on that day that... If we don't have the highest viewership of this soccer game than any other game, then we've struggled in 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 more ways than we know in terms of just gaining gaining viewership for this tournament. So it's USA England. Of course, you can say all you like about it, but it's the USA playing. Now, my question before the little break here was, how are you engaging your players? How are you... Encouraging them to not only watch this because it is the greatest show on earth, it's the biggest tournament that personally I think is a shambles, but that's another story. Now, how can we get our players excited about this? So, there are all sorts of things you can do, like a a bracket, you can have all of your players pick who they think is going to be the top of the group, who they think is going to qualify, all the way through almost like a March Madness bracket where you're looking at predicting the winner. That's pretty fun. But the tournament lasts for four days, or uh, four weeks or so. Sorry, not four days. It'd be pretty quick if it was. That's a youth soccer tournament right there in a nutshell. You pay $1,000 for that event too. But anyway, now we're looking at a four-week event. There were three guaranteed games How can I engage my players? And I look at this in a couple different ways. I challenge them to watch the first half. If you ever do any sort of scouting or any sort of coaching courses that work on game analysis, you take the first half as a serious point of reflection that you can then build off of, that you can then begin to tweak and adapt from. But by then, both teams are also beginning to make changes. So what you saw in the first half isn't necessarily true in the second. And I always believe that the second half is, much more reactionary. So I'll challenge my players, the players I work with individually, the players I work with at ODP level to watch the game from the first half. And I'm going to challenge them depending on their level. I'm going to say, watch the player that plays your position. Then, and of course, a player 4-3-3 or variation thereof, the US is, is expected to line up in a very similar way. So now you're looking at right wingers or right midfielders playing in very traditional roles. So then we say, Okay, what did that player do well? What did they not do so well? And then also, how well did they do in the bigger picture of the game? And then we say, in your position for our team, what are the expectations? Okay. Then, what are the expectations and what is the power around the the expectation around that player playing for the United States national team? Do you think they they correlate? And of course, a right midfielder may have different nuances, but the level of our players and the level of their understanding is going to kind of be highlighted here in that they will often assume that players are playing in a very similar position, a very similar role that they play themselves. And also, I can capture their attendance for 45 minutes. That's not a problem. So then we say, how did they do in terms of supporting that goal for their team? Now, what I don't want to do, and this is what I'm really cautious of, and this is why I often say the first half and not the second half, or even just find me moments from the game that you are paying attention is because I don't want them watching the game of soccer and thinking that it's a job or a homework task. I want them to enjoy it. If I often think about the best times that I've enjoyed watching soccer, it's definitely not watching England play because it's too, it's too traumatic for me. But it's watching my team who are doing well or not doing well, but I'm just watching and observing. Now, from a coaching perspective, it's really difficult to switch off from the coaching mentality when I watch a game. But when I'm able to, or I'm in and out of a game because I'm playing with my daughter or I'm doing something else, then I find it much more enjoyable. And I want you to encourage your players to feel the same way about this. And some of the ways I do that is I say, tell me what the best goal of the game was. Of course, assuming it's not 0 or 1-0. And then find me the best moment of the game. So now you're just looking to enjoy the game and find something that genuinely entertains you. And then you can even go further and say, so what about the game was similar to the game that we play? And the reason I'm kind of pulling on these is because I do feel like we have to encourage our kids to watch the game. Whether that is from a parental side that says no screen time, get outside and play or also the fact that social media and YouTube shorts and all of the other platforms that we have available to us will show a game in seconds or minutes. So you can watch an NFL game in 14 minutes with the ball in play, yet the game is on TV for close to three hours. So this is much the same. I can't keep these players engagement and we can find the goals, we can find the highlights of every single game online within seconds of it happening. But the culture around the game, of watching a game, of sitting with people in their family, and this is where I may take it to the next level and say to my players, can you get your dad involved? Can you get your mum involved? Can you get your auntie, your uncle, your neighbours? Whatever it is. And then can you have some fun with predicting the game? Can you predict, much like a bracket, that you think Qatar is going to win the opening game? Not that there's been any news about them paying off players or the opponents in any way. And whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's out there. But can will Qatar win this game? What do you think the game, what do you think the score will be? Okay, which player do you think will have the biggest impact in this game? Now, from a coach's perspective, these may be questions that they give to the family. These may be questions that I ask my players and I ask them to send to me, whether that's a Google form or a text or depending on the level of your players, maybe they tell their parents and then the parents tell you. And I want to see what they see. I want to know what they know. You Guarantee when Portugal plays, everyone's rooting for Ronaldo, which may be a different situation given the second or third group game, because I guarantee he starts the first. But then we look at what else is going to happen in the game. If Ronaldo's in it, you see Ronaldo. If Messi playing for Argentina, you see Messi. But who else in the game is going to have an impact? And so... I just wanted to use this episode really to ramble a little bit and not only complain about the World Cup, but also to just get a little bit excited about it and to be able to say that this is the cyclical opportunity to grow the game, to challenge our players in so many ways. And so I ask you, if Twitter is still here and you've listened to this, tweet me. At lead Dun Soccer and tell me how you're going to engage your players. how are you going to challenge them to watch the game from a development perspective when it's maybe not the US maybe you don't give them any tasks during the US game, but you give them the task for an obscure game at 8am or 11 a.m and you say, "What about this? What about that? Who did this who will do that? What will the score be?" And then ask them to enjoy the US game, ask them to enjoy the England game, ask them to enjoy whatever other country that they want to support. Maybe you give them a team to support. Maybe you ask them to support another team if they don't want to support the US or they want to support the US. There is just so much opportunity. So I ask you to tweet me at Lee Dunn Soccer. Tell me how you are going to engage your players, how you're going to use this World Cup as an opportunity to develop the culture around the game in your community. Because when you do that for your community, it does it for a lot of other communities too. And the impact that you have on 12 to 18 players is 12 to 18 families and then extended families and then neighbors and then communities. And before you know it, your entire club is supporting watch parties or encouraging everybody to play in the bracket and predict and then argue about which player is better versus A or B. And it grows and it grows. This is our opportunity. It's a freebie for us and we have to grasp it.